Happy Friday and welcome back to another edition of The Trading Desk on Watchbox Studios. My name, Joshua Thanos. This is my life partner, Jason Main. You don't like that, Jay? Uh, apparently it's funnier to you than it is to me, but uh, hey. I only make jokes that are funny to me, Jay. Every once in a while there's things that come around that make Josh hate life a little less, and if that's one of them, then yeah. I guess it works. Listen, I'm just having, I'm here to have a good time, Jay. Speaking of time, what do you got on your wrist? Uh, actually. Uh-oh, nothing. Took it off because I thought it would play on camera a little bit better. So this is the, uh, I also changed the time so you could see the pointer day. But uh, this is an Oris uh, BC4. So part of their pilot series, kind of a pretty good budget watch. Um, date 8, which is cool. It's the only Date 8 watch that I own. And you see there at the bottom, there's a pointer day retrograde. So where you see those triangles and the little white triangle over Friday, um, tomorrow, that will retrograde back to Saturday. And on the underside there, the triangle will be red. So kind of cool. It's a basic 28-24 ETA movement. Um, you know, tried and true. Just a simple watch, but nice and lightweight, robust, good daily wearer, sapphire crystal. So can't ask for much more than that. That's what I'm wearing this weekend. Sweet. Well, let's go ahead and get a little close-up. He's a new baby. Yeah. Oh, look how pretty she is. Oh, baby. So this is a 40.5 millimeter Omega SMP for my watch nerds out there on the internets. Can you uh, elaborate, sir? So it's a Seamaster Professional. There you go. Yeah, man. So this is this watch has been discontinued, Jason. So you know what? It's now it's worth a ton, right? All the money in the world. It's just worth so much money now. Especially without the They don't make it. You can't get it. So it's got to be worth a billion dollars. I can walk downstairs and get one. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, it has been discontinued, uh, but authorized dealers still have them because they were delivered, you know, not that long ago. So, like, we have this and a black dial downstairs. So if you're interested, give Jason a call. He'll sell it to you. $4,400 retail on a bracelet. I had this on a new strap. I got the strap at the um, IWJG show yeah, from nice. Nick Gabarro. Uh Super awesome handmade leather strap. I didn't pay much for it. You can buy this from other places for double the money. And it might have just been made by the same guy. Who knows? So, yeah, I'm really liking it on this uh, uh, this uh, like leather strap. And it's uh, it's got like a vintage look to it. It's super comfortable. And uh, it was good for me because when I was traveling, the problem with the bracelet on this watch is that there's no um, micro adjustment. There's no micro adjustment. So uh, there is a micro adjustment on a strap. You just change the hole. So there you go. That's what I got on the wrist today, and uh, and I'm loving it. Before you get too much uh, comments on that, you can order the buckle, which I think you've have you yeah. already ordered it. No, I keep saying I should, and I forget. Yeah, but, I tend uh, to forget things a lot, Jason. The new one has it built in already, but um, Edward Ledden says don't like the strap on that Seamaster. Well, tune out then, buddy. <laughs> Not really. I'm just kidding. You don't have to like anything. That's fine. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what I got on the wrist. I'm really loving it. It's super comfortable. And I bet you, Edward Ledden, if you liked, if you uh, wore the watch with the strap, you'd like it. So just do that. All right. Um, so, yeah, this week we have uh, we have a, a kind of an interesting show. It's more of what we wanted to talk about than, more than what people are asking us. But I think it's good advice. But before that, let's get to this or that. Hey, look at that. We got... A Rolex and a Pateca Filippi. Not clickbait at all. <laughs> but, I mean, we actually have those watches here. Yeah. So, um, this week, 
we decided if you're going to spend $25,000 on a watch, do you go with, uh, first of all, you know, go, you can't go wrong with Patek or, or uh, Rolex because right now they're super hot. But do you go with a vintage Rolex or a modern Patek Philippe? Both stainless steel dive watches. That one have a date or no? Uh, yeah. It does. So, okay. Time and date, stainless steel dive watches on a bracelet for roughly the same amount of money. So, mid, mid, uh, middle 20s here. Right. Right? So, here, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Okay, cool. So, Jay... Defend your pick. So basically what the this or that is designed to do is does vintage get your money? Uh, so both watches, as we were discussing, are right around mid-20s. Obviously, both pieces super hot right now on the market. Um, but if you're going to spend 20 grand, do you justify spending 20 25. grand? 25. 25 grand on something that is unobtainable anymore? Or do you buy something that's some would say artificially unattainable. I mean, the market on that piece makes the watch hard to get, mm -hmm. but they still produce that watch. It's over retail, yeah. Right? So this well, on is... A bracelet, this watch is like This is like factually unobtainable now. They do New. not... Right. Well, New. they don't make the watch anymore. It's discontinued. It's it's vintage. Um, you can only buy that watch uh, right. used. Right. And this is... Uh, if we zoom in on the thing that makes this watch this watch is the red Submariner logo there at the bottom. Is it a 1680? Uh, 1680, I believe. Yes, date, clean, clean dial, which is important. Clean bezel, you know, a little bit of wear here and there. Uh, obviously, it's not been refinished, which is what you want on something like this. You don't want the watch touched uh, or molested any more than it has to be molested. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, probably about. I mean, this one has a little bit of bracelet uh, stretch warp there, but besides that, I mean, this is probably. One of the cleaner ones. I've seen these just completely, you know, on straps, dogged out, and yeah, just bracelets gone, dials, you know, cleaned by hand. It's just this one's actually really nice. So, I guess the the argument here is: Do you feel more comfortable? You know, it's like do you build a, a you know, an old Mustang, or do you go buy, you know, something with the same horsepower new that has a warranty, right? So, yeah. uh, is this something that you would wear day in and day out? And well, I they're think, both hyped, right? Right, they're both hyped pieces, but I think that the fact Hype that beast. this is more rare with the Red Submariner, this mm -hmm. is harder to get. It's it's you know has a story to it. Um, I think this is the well, piece. So I guess so you're, what you're saying is, do you you're do buying you buy the old, outdated uh, uh, technology, but the story and the so-called rarity of a 1680 red sub or do you buy the new technology right and you know and uh and you know the hype i guess real hype artificial hype but why is that real hype because you could have bought one of those you two years ago for fifteen thousand. because you're a moron well i may be a moron but that has nothing not to do you with... <laughs> particularly i wasn't calling you more but no but this i mean is so you could have bought that, that two you could have got that last year two years ago for fifteen thousand look at the market that's well, what I'm saying. So you know, they're so both they're, hyped. There's obviously value there. The, both of these are hyped, right? So they both go, well, they certainly both go over the original retail. Yeah. Which one goes more over the original retail, Jason? I mean, I mean this watch was a $350 watch when it was due, I bet. Yeah. Right. Okay. It was a 3 million series. So what year is that? Yeah. Old. Uh, it's old. Yeah. Old. Um, this watch right now has on a bracelet, I think it's roughly $20,000 retail. So this, you're paying a few grand over retail because you don't want to wait in line for it. That's what? the difference. So you pay the premium for the red sub because it's old and because there's there's demand for it, you pay the premium for the Aquanaut because you don't want to wait in line. Right. 
Yeah. And then let's not forget the additional, what, $2,500 to get the rubber strap and the deployment buckle because <laughs> that's the only to way to wear that watch. I guess. Yeah, I mean, of The course. bracelet's cool, but it's cool to, like, have it in the box yeah. and never wear it because that watch. Oh, if somebody wants the bracelet, it's a very expensive bracelet. It's a very expensive bracelet, but I don't. I, think, I mean, I if you can order. I know Rolex will not ship you ship a dealer a bracelet. I think Patek will. I've seen those on the market too. You Actually, I know for a fact you can because I've ordered yeah. a bracelet. So you can see it on the wrist. So, uh, in terms of just wearability, right? So take the names off the dials in the history of the red sub. Now you're just talking about what watch is nicer to wear. I hate that bracelet. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look great in my opinion, but I, it's very comfortable. This this bracelet is absolutely fantastically comfortable. It doesn't pull on your hair. It is it, it integrates well with the case. This is they're both forty millimeter, right? This watch sits a little thinner. Um, in terms of diving, you can you should and certainly can dive with this watch. Should you dive with that sixteen eighty twenty five thousand dollars sixteen eighty a red sub, Jason? Should you take that into the ocean on your wrist? I mean, has it been evaluated by a watchmaker and made water resistant again? Then fine. Yes, that's what the watch is made Even, for. Okay. I mean, yeah, to a certain crazy. degree. I mean, I listen, only I one of those dive morons with, you were talking about. Would I wouldn't take that dive watch with any twenty five thousand dollars watch, regardless of how Fair old enough. it is. Um, I got to tell you, when I look at that bracelet on that on that paddock, that Aquanaut, I, all I see is the the twenty four paddock twenty four. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand that. I, that makes sense. Um, but even still, it is. It's a very wearable, very um, comfortable, and very useful dive watch, right? It's not a, uh, it's, it's not as collectible as you would say as the 1680, but it's more usable. So you're buying something to use today because you're getting modern technology, and you're paying twenty-five thousand dollars for a watch that's worth closer to actually worth closer to twenty-five thousand, or you're paying twenty-five thousand dollars for an old used Submariner with you know the red writing on the dial right they're both I mean, the cool it just i guess it depends on who you are so there you go neither of us feel very strong about either of these watches it seems like i'm not a big vintage fan i like i like watches that kind of look vintage but are i have new technology i don't really understand the whole vintage market i know that there's guys who f- pretend like they do i don't even think they, they do i think that if you have the money and you want something older because it brings you back to a time when you were a kid or you know you were you have like a like you like the history of things. There's a lot of watches you can buy that aren't this, but I can understand that in that regard. But personally, spending my own money, I'm not a vintage guy. So I mean, I think it takes I a special kind of yeah. guy who really like vintage watches. I like like I'd like to buy a Berthier Submariner 5513. That's not going to cost me twenty five thousand right now. It's going to cost me more. It would have a couple of years ago. Right. But I can understand buying that watch. So maybe maybe when I do buy. My birth year, a 1986 5513. Maybe then that'll be my first step into understanding vintage, uh, you know, totally. Uh, but I think it's first of all, I don't understand it, and I'll admit that I understand it. I don't. I think it's okay that I don't. Yeah, I mean, so, some guys are wishy-washy about it. I get the concept. Um, I like the concept in certain circumstances. Um, it's kind of cool. There's other things like we've talked about before. Just because something's old doesn't make it expensive um so that but there are certain things that cross you get old longines both boxes and this is rare and old and expensive so um in that regard i get it you have to buy this knowing that you're going into like you're gonna have some problems you're gonna inherit problems eventually uh whether it's cost yeah whether it's cost or time um you know it's it is what it is so you go into it knowing yeah but it's cool i mean listen there certainly is a, a legitimate market for red subs 
you know, this is not something like, uh, well, somebody, you know, decided now that vintage is going crazy, that this watch is worth something. Red subs have always been worth money, and they always will be. Will they always be worth 25 grand? I don't know. Um, that certainly is the current market now. So there you go, guys. Go ahead and uh, and vote. And let's vote. see. Let's see what that poll says. Survey says. Uh, red sub. Okay. All right. Not. Not 68.18% really really versus 31%. Apparently, how, how do you feel? People like the. I feel good. You know, I'm, I, I don't feel like uh, jumping up and down the rocky steps, like, uh, really? you know, cheering. Oh. But uh, then Who again, does my, that? Yeah, some guy that usually comes on the show. Sounds like a, a fucking well, jerk, man. Yeah. I mean, he gets really excited because he wins like every 10th time. So, you know, it builds up. But. Yeah, well, those wins um, are me more meaningful, I would assume. Yeah, maybe to him. But once uh once you get, you know, so yeah. many under your belt, it's kinda of like another day in the office. Gotcha. But uh sounds like yeah. a loser, that guy. So there you go, guys. Go ahead, keep voting. Um again, do you want modern technology and you know, skipping the, the line, or do you want something old and very worn? And if we didn't pick these off of the wall downstairs and we would have brought something like a what? Smurf yeah. and a 5711. Yeah. This would have been a much different. I think Smurf would have won too because you get it. You yeah. spend way less, but I, I mean. mention. All right, cool, man. So, so yeah, guys, keep voting. Um, and let's get into our main discussion, which uh, is going to be, again, it's going to be more about what we want to talk about than what yeah. you guys, but I it's think that it, if you listen and you understand what we're saying, um, you, you'll benefit from it, right? So, and this goes for guys who are you know guys who like to to buy watches if you just like watches and that's why you're, you're tuning in just because you like watches but you don't buy them it's not gonna be as helpful um but so what we want to talk about is how to negotiate with somebody and, and it doesn't have to just be a dealer right if you're negotiating privately too but you know if you if you see a listed price on a pre-owned watch it's a speculative it's all speculative right pre-owned uh, pre-owned watch market is all speculative. There's no MSRP with it when it comes to that. You know, prices a lot of times they're based on the MSRP and how much you can, how much discount you can get, and what the you know the the scarcity is in terms of getting new sure. watches and things like that. But say say you wanna you wanna deal with somebody exclusively and you know buy and sell watches with that person and hopefully get a good deal and build a relationship. How do you negotiate with them? Would you call them up, Jason, and say? Be rude and and ask them why the hell they're asking so much for a watch and just be incredulous and 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 you know try to talk down to them. Would you do that? I'm gonna go ahead and say that's probably not the best way to do it. You think um, that works in any walk of life? Just I don't in, think in so. general, talking down to people, being rude and acting like you know better than they do and things like that. Listen, I mean, I so it, it perplexes me because I could see how, like for me, this is a job, right? I love watches. I always have. It'll sure. always be a hobby. But this is my job, day in, day out. So I could, I, I guess from a customer service perspective, it's bad to say this, but I could see much more how maybe I would have a bad day and accidentally be rude coming from my end because sure. it's work mm -hmm. and it's stressful sometimes. But like for guys that are on the other side of the phone, it's a hobby. It should like, be. you know, it should be. It should be fun. It should be, you know. And I get like it's about the chase and maybe you missed a piece and you're upset, but guys that like to negotiate by like breaking your balls and and you know just sending you a rude text or or when you call them on the phone you're just, hey you got a minute to discuss and they're like yep <laughs> okay well great well tell me about the watch no what's your <laughs> offer like it just it, it wears you down man it becomes problematic because 
Well, that's on I a personal level, right? Yeah, but like it, it discourages me from wanting to work with you. Like it's all relationship building, right? And that's kind of what well, we're it can at be. Here. It doesn't have to be. So here's the deal: some guys are when when they when they want to buy and sell things, they don't want a relationship, which is fine. You don't have to be best friends with the with the with the other guy that you're dealing with. So if you're dealing with somebody on eBay, you're dealing with somebody on a forum, or you're dealing with somebody who's doing this as a, for a living, right. you don't have to make friends with them. That's not a requirement, right? But professional courtesy. I mean, like if he's uh, quote unquote uh, a trader, right? And mm-hmm. he he sees himself making money off this, and we have plenty of guys that graduate from you know being a collector and liking what they're doing to like a begin a beginning trader level, right? They flip watches, right? But those guys, you, you build a relationship still somewhat, mm-hmm. even if it's just professional, right? Maybe you're not you know texting them photos that aren't watches and having you know conversations about cars and yeah. whatever, but it's courteous. It's hey, how you doing? What can you do for me? Not you know just you know outwardly rude conversation well so like you know again we deal with a lot of people we deal with a lot of volume so we get to see people from uh from you know all across the the gamut so we we have guys who call in and it's their first time and they're they're looking to build a relationship and they're looking to to be dealt with straight not you know be messed around with or whatever and they're but they're straightforward they're saying hey here's the deal they've done this before and you know i'm looking to get a fair deal i have an idea of what a fair deal is and let's let's go ahead and do it and you know, you treat those guys accordingly. You have other guys call up and say, listen, I trade all the time. You know, maybe I've seen you guys online or I've seen, you know, I've seen your website online or I've seen your your show. I'd like to try to get a deal with you, but here's the deal. I, you know, I I get really good deals, so you have to be as competitive as possible. So then you have, and then you have some guys who call up and are just, hey, what's your best price on this? So we're like, we're trying to figure out, number one, so that person's asking for a price consideration, which is fine. You can ask for a price consideration, right? They're asking for a, di- they're for a discount. So realistically, you have to realize that the watches, that you're not the only person looking at this watch. So the watch will eventually sell. Does the person who you're talking to want to sell that watch? Of course they do. Are they, should they have to beg for your business? No, because again, you shouldn't have to beg them to sell you the watch and you shouldn't, they shouldn't have to beg you for their business. So if you walk into a situation like this, whether you're buying a car, whether you're buying anything, so where you're the customer and you have a salesperson who, who is there to deal with you, treating them, you know, poorly or, or talking down to them or being rude, you know, that is, uh, that's probably not a great way to get a good deal. And if you think about it like, well, you know, they, this person wants to sell the, sell the watch and that's what it only comes out to. Like, realistically, there's going to be other customers too. So if I have two guys asking about the same watch, okay, and both guys ask me for a price consideration, but one guy is very friendly with me, explains the situation, tells me he's got a large collection, there's, there's hope to do more business with him, and again, he's friendly. Right. He says, listen, your price seems high to me. You know, can you explain to me number one why you have it listed at that price, and why can I why can I buy it for two or three thousand dollars less from these guys? Can you explain to me the difference? And also, I'd like to pay X. Well, that's one conversation. Or the other conversation may be, Hey, you guys are crazy with that price. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, just give me your best price. I'm like, well, if we ask you a few questions to to see if number one, if you're worth giving a, a larger discount, because again. When it comes down to it, the watch is worth what it's worth. There's a market for a watch within right. reason, right? But if there's if there's a reason outside of the market of the watch to give you a better discount, why don't you let us try to find that reason? So if we believe you're going to be a high volume customer for us, well, yeah. there's going to be a consideration. That's that's going to be worth. So again, sure. you know, there's other reasons to get discounts, and the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to you know 
be somewhat friendly. You don't have to again. You don't have to call in and beg a beg a dealer for their business. Right. You shouldn't. You don't have to do that. Being basically friendly, number one, is a first step, in my opinion, to getting the best deal. Well, I think it's just you know courteous in any regard to just be friendly until you decide you don't like somebody. See, and then you if have so, so. But hold on, sorry to interrupt you. So here you go. Now you got a guy named John Doe. So this is a uh, an anonymous uh, uh, texter on our chat, and he goes, "Well, most salespeople are not of the best character. So John, make sure you never call us, see, because you, because for you to decide that people in a certain uh, in a certain profession as a whole are not of the best character, well, that shows that's more of a reflection on you, not on not anyone else. I'm a regular person. Jason's a regular person, right? And and now you're going crazy in the chat box here. So he goes that so." If you are worth a discount, yes, absolutely, sir. Absolutely. So, so if you if you call up and you're rude to to a salesperson, not to me, or if you're rude to a private sale, so I'm selling a watch on online and you don't you have a problem with my price and you call up and you're rude to me and I'm flexible on my price. Do you think I'm going to show you that I'm flexible on my price? Absolutely not. And that's the basic point here, John, Mr. John Doe. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think what Josh was starting to elaborate on is um, you know, help me help you. So, basically, basic courtesy is, or just any, pay the full price. Any, well, that's the point. Well, or no, don't buy it all. Too is like Those I don't are... want to deal with with a guy that's an ass that's going to pay full price either. Oh, exactly. I want to deal with the nice with the guy I like. What's well, not even deal? Deal's even the wrong word. I don't want to associate. I don't want to deal with in in well, life. So here, no person. So Mr. Right. John Doe does not want to deal with jerks. The thing is, he, you him gonna... and I are both in an agreement, right? <laughs> so Sorry, here's, here's the, here's the common Get denominator. Here. Yeah, Josh is going to go off. Uh, <laughs> here's the common denominator, right? Uh, you go up to Starbucks counter in the morning. They have your coffee. You want the coffee? Hello. You smile. I'd like to buy a coffee. Just be just be somewhat courteous and then see where the conversation goes. If she curses you out and tells you, you know, that you shouldn't be drinking coffee because you're fat or something like that, then that's a different story. Then you then you react. But common courtesy Start a conversation, listen to somebody, you know, to, again, to, to, I don't even want to mention this person in the comments anymore <laughs> that we should, but for to say something like a blanket statement, um, you know, I got into this hobby, into this business because it was a hobby for me and I happen to love watches. Josh really loves watches. So you're not calling someone who's just slinging something they don't care about. Like we want to have an actual conversation and that's the point, just trying to build relationships and when we say something like, you know, figure out if the discount is for you, it's, you know, help me help you. Or are you a collector? Are you looking to buy, you know, right now is, you know, expediency is important too, because mm -hmm. the watches sell so fast. So help me go get you a price. Are you ready to pull a trigger? When, what is your timeline? Or do you have trades? Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. And stuff like that, being open to having a conversation, even if it's just about the watches, which is, you know, perfectly fine. <laughs> helps us tune in you know this is a guy that we should do a deal with right now this is a guy that's not ready and maybe we should call him in a week so you know just being civil and having important conversations and a lot of times what that'll do is build a relationship it's a hobby yeah and when you have someone who's fun to talk to about your hobby it just makes it more enjoyable as a hobby right right I mean, like if if you were doing something that was so stressful that every time you talk to the guy that is your go-to for that hobby you just wouldn't want to do it anymore right exactly so so i understand there's you you when you deal with somebody new and again it's not just if you're dealing with like a dealer like us who does this for a living if you're talking to somebody on a forum or you're talking to somebody on ebay right 
I understand there's some level you want to make sure that the person you're talking to is is not feeding you BS or bullshit, right? So that goes to my next next step, and really, it's actually your first step is be if you want to negotiate, right? So again, this is what the our conversation is about. You know, making sure that you're getting when you're talking about a pre-owned watch, getting a good price because it is speculative. First thing, number one, is do your research. Like, don't just walk in blind. So, you know, I, I remember a, a buddy of mine, his dad told me that he goes in, when he buys jewelry, he goes and looks at the sticker price and offers 25% because he was told that that's what he should do. It's like, well, but I that's mean, just that's a completely yeah. uneducated way to doing anything. So imagine, so I have some customers uh, uh, that are, you know, own restaurants, right? So imagine I walked in and said, hey, you know what? I don't want to pay your, your, the price on the, on the, on the, um, on the menu, I'm going to offer you half. You just, the people look at you like, what are you, are you stupid? Right? It's an uneducated way of doing things. So do your research. If this is what you want to do, okay, if you want to get a better price than what's listed, you can ask, hey, is there, is there some, is there, yeah, it never hurts to ask. I mean, right. and, but if you don't, if you don't know what you're asking for, well, then how are you going to know you're going to get a good deal? So do your research. And there's a lot of different ways to do that too, right. right? You can go to eBay and look for sold listings, okay? You can see what people are asking for watches too. That doesn't always show you the true market, but it certainly should tell you something. You know, if, if you're looking at a Seamaster, asking prices probably, you know, are going to be more relevant than if you're looking at, you know, some obscure Panerai or something like that, right? Or, yeah. So, or this, uh, the center, the central Turbion Omega. crazy watch that I've... That's ridiculous in every single way, but I've now come to love um, the yellow brick road. Well, that as watch, I call it. Yeah, no, that watch listed online. If you show me uh, uh, a screenshot, so this is an Omega Deville Central Turbion, of roughly a hundred thousand dollar retail price. So we have this listed on our website for forty nine nine fifty, right? So f- for fifty thousand dollars, we have that listed. All right. So say you decide you like that watch mm-hmm. and you want to buy it pre-owned because you don't want to pay full list for it. You look online and you see this watch listed anywhere. I think ours is probably the lowest price listed online because there's not many of these pre-owned anyways, but you see them listed online from anywhere between 50000 and 100000 So between you know, uh, a legitimate pre-owned dealer's price and list price. How do you know what a good price is? How do you know that $50,000 is a good price? That's going to be tougher on a watch so like that anyway. I can tell you what I would want to do. Is sure. What I would want to do is have a guy Mm-hmm. that I trust, that I could go to, and he's in my cell phone already, and I've talked about a bunch of watches with him before, mm-hmm. and ask him his opinion. If that, if this watch is not available from us, and it was available from a competitor, half of my really good clients would say, hey, listen, I know it's not your watch, but what do you think? Yeah. And I have no problem doing that. I, I tell well, guys all the time, what is if it you're worth in if a I boutique, call me. You know, like if you have a question that a salesperson at a boutique can't answer, call me. Mm-hmm. I'll try and help you out. The thing is, is that having that relationship, which is what we were talking about, is very important. Here's something that Joe, John Doe and I both agree on. The, cent, the center turbion or the central turbion is boss. I agree. He just said that's what he, he, right. he gave that watch a comment. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever buy it. It's it's both hideous and amazing at the same time. It's horrible in the, f- the best, best way. fantastic way possible. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Amazing. I love that watch. That's not a, that's If you're a high-volume trader, though, that is not a watch Here's for you. Here's two watches that have never sat next to each other again <laughs> and never will again. So, But again, like you want to – so somebody on there said that um, you just, just check Chrono 24. So, again, that's not – there's no end-all, be-all, right. even for us. So if we do this for a living, we're high-volume, right? I buy – 50 to 100 watches a month. You're buying 30, 30 to 60 watches every month. Sure. Um, uh, you know, 
and we're buying those for our company for resale. So we have to figure out, number one, what is it going to sell for? How long is it going to take to sell? And how much can we buy it for that, that you know, it's not too low because we don't want to steal or, or offend our customers, right. but also it's not so high that we won't be able to make a profit for the company and keep the ball rolling so we can have money to buy other watches and sure. you know, fill our stock. So again, it's... You know, how do you determine that? Well, we look at, for us, we're lucky because we, as being a high-volume dealer, I can look at all the data. We know exactly what the watch sold for, and that is the most important data. If you can find a confirmed sale, then that is probably one of the most, that's the best way to figure out what the watch is actually worth. Yeah, and right. And I mean, the great thing about that is we have our hands, you know, our webs and everything. Right. Like we we work with private dealers. Mm-hmm. We work with, you know, big platforms. We work with everybody. And that's in at the end of the day, like this entire community is very small, very tight knit. Way smaller than people would think. Right. So text message, you know, somebody, I had a guy uh, this week who lost selling one of his watches because he priced it out against somebody else. And that guy texted the, same, the other guy. There you go. Deal lost. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it's it's a definitely a very very small market. So for us, being that plugged in and having the infrastructure that we do, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to say like, hey, listen, this just sold at auction. Was it you that bought it? Mm-hmm. You know, because we watch all that stuff is important. And having someone monitoring all that that data and being a text away mm-hmm. when you have a really good relationship with them is important. Right. So, but again, so going back, so educating yourself, and if it's the more obscure the watch. Assume there's going to be a bigger spread between a buy and a sell on a pre-owned market because there's a lot of risk involved, mm-hmm. right? The, the sales cycle is going to be longer too. So you know, take all these things into account. If you're doing this as a hobby, but you also want to make sure that you have some sort of liquidity in your in your um, in your collection, you know, you got to take all these things into account. It's not just what somebody can sell it for. And a watch, to be honest with you, a watch like this, there's no hard set sale price for this watch. This watch is worth what somebody's willing to pay within reason. So there's certain different factors, you know, the brand, what, how much does the brand trade at as a whole? Also, what is a similar watch gonna trade for from a different brand? What is the original retail price? What's the, the lowest price that somebody could have bought it new? All these things are factors, and this is what you have to think about. It's not, it's not as easy as just, well, you know, you're asking something, so I'm gonna offer you half of it. Because some watches, to be honest with you, you know, if you, you're looking at, you know, a Remain Jerome, you might get a bigger discount off a pre-owned asking price than you would off of a stainless steel Rolex. And there's that, and there's also how many of them are available. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the market look like on the piece? If it's the only one that ever, you know, ever hit the market, and it's essentially an unworn condition as that one is, that watch is absolutely beautiful. It's like new. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna covet it a little bit more than I will if one's actually been worn and has hairlines, but it's not ready to be refinished. Yeah. So, but condition is also important. Well, also on a watch like that, if you're buying it on a spec, so if you're if you're if a if a like a operation like us is selling uh, is selling uh, if we're if we're buying this watch for resale, we also have to consider if this watch stops working in our possession, what is a uh, what is a service going to cost? Right. So if that costs three thousand dollars a service, I have to build that in. Not saying that it's going to happen, but that's part of the risk in owning it. So when you're buying the watch too, you can think about those things as well, right? But if you, because when we're buying it, when a dealer like us buys it, we don't get a warranty from our customer. When you buy it from, if you buy your watch from a private person, then you can factor that in. If you're buying it from somebody like us who can warranty it, you don't have to worry as much. All these things matter in some some regard, but, and, and it goes into, these are questions you can ask. So if somebody calls me, 
and starts asking all these questions. Hey, how much does it cost? Hey, I'm interested in this watch, right? Your price seems a little high. I have an offer for you, but I have a few questions. And they ask, you know, how long have you had it? Is this the only one you've ever had? How much is it going to cost to service? Right. All these things, I'm going to be more responsive because it sounds like, number one, this person's serious buyer. They've actually put some thought into it. They're not just like, hey, let me see if I can get this thing for 25% for of what they're asking. Right? Yeah. Same thing if I'm a private seller. If I'm selling my watches privately and somebody just sends an offer at 25% of my ass price with no explanation. You think I'm even going to respond to that? I mean, I, I, I try and hit all, all of them just because mm -hmm. you never really know. I mean – I've closed deals with guys who are like, I, I just didn't know, so I put a number. Right. Um, but the thing is, you know, I'm talking about private we, sale. Of yeah, course, I mean, if somebody we, makes an offer of any amount to us, yeah, we're required we, to reply. It's, it's, I mean, it's important for us to, to try and build the relationships. It's what I take away from this conversation and what I, you know, preach all the time, especially when we're training some of the newer guys that come into our sales floor. Mm -hmm. Is it's, uh, you know, the relationships are fundamental. Well, it's not yeah, just everybody about can sell something that's for sale on a website right you know if a guy calls in eventually you're going to get lucky enough where a guy's like i just want the watch and i'll buy it maybe yeah. like but the guy but making that guy text you before he buys the next one or hey what do you think of this watch is the most important part um there's a lot of comments on the chat i just want to acknowledge about how this is uh the scarface watch yeah now like uh you're not a real man unless you're holding a submachine gun while wearing that watch <laughs> which is uh, I could definitely well, Jason see that. Jason might make a video of him. I like that, that watch. I like that watch quite a bit. It's pretty, pretty cool in like the way that I would never own it, but it's very neat. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's that would have to be part of a very large either that either has to be your only watch ever or part of a <laughs> your huge daily wear. Yeah, yeah, daily wear or part of a huge collection. Um, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's funky. You know, it's if you're buying if you want to have a very liquid collection that should not belong in it. But no. if you're looking, if, you, if you're the guy that's like, hey, this retailed for a hundred thousand dollars, and you just want to let people think you spent a hundred grand on it because whatever, that's then a reason that's, to buy the that's watch. Something, yeah. uh, you know. But it, it is very cool for what it is, and there's other less polarizing versions of that central tourbillon available as well. Yeah. So, but again, so uh, to kind of round back to our original topic, yeah. like negotiating, I'd say number one, be educated, and if you're not, don't pretend like you are. I think that's like lying will get you absolutely nowhere, right? So if, I, if I'm if i lying to my customer and it's and I get caught in a lie, chances I deal with that person ever again, zero. But understand also when you're dealing on the other side, if you're just bold-faced lying, oh, I was offered this watch at 25 off. I was offered a, a Patek 5711 for, uh, in steel for 25 off. Well, thank you for, very much for calling. I appreciate you reaching out. You know, maybe that right. guy... He just thinks that he can say that because he just thinks that's what you're supposed to do. But he's just doing himself a disservice. So you have to be, you know, educate yourself in some regard. Or if you don't want to educate yourself and you don't have the time for it, that's fine also. You can still negotiate. But just be a little bit more honest. Say, hey, listen, is that your best price? And if not, why? And if the guy on the other line can't explain it to you, then maybe you don't deal with him. If I, So that's the other thing. So if I'm negotiating, say I'm, I'm in a private scenario, I'm buying a car. And I ask... Is that his best price? And he says yes. And I say why? And he doesn't have an answer for me. I probably won't buy that from him. You got to. I want to deal just how as a salesperson. I want to deal with educated customers. I want to deal with an educated um, salesperson as well. So I need some sort of backup as to why this is the price. Right. And it has to be coherent. So there's there's responsibility on both sides. Well, you so know? here's the thing: is like at, the quicker you can somebody can respond to that with a coherent answer it's because it's probably the truth and he doesn't have to think about it and also he said it before because that's his business model 
Uh, if, if you got to ask the guy, uh, why is the car, you know, that price? And he says, well, listen, the last one I had sold for this had less miles than this one. Mm-hmm. I've had this one for a day. The other one I had for three months. I feel like this should sell about the same price. In fact, I have a little bit more into this one. You know, stuff like that is probably going to be the truth if it's if it sounds sincere and comes off the top of his head. So. Phil Mags asks, is this show about watches or salespeople? I'd like you to refer to the title of the show, Phil, The Trading Desk. It's about both. Yeah, that was the answer. But no, but again, I mean, I understand we're not we're not specifically talking about watches today. And if that upsets you, I'm sorry. We're talking about something that a lot of guys like to do. Even myself, I like to buy watches and I negotiate. I buy watches on eBay privately. I like to do that. And I like to go through the whole process of finding the watch. Find, but I never, ever, unless I see somebody posting a fake watch or if they're if they have a price that shows that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So they so a, a stainless steel current model one 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 six six one zero listed for twenty grand Here. just because maybe I'll send them a rude message. But, but to be honest, I'm I like hey, I like your watch. I'm interested in it. I don't want to pay the price you're asking. I'd like to see if you're negotiable. Asking that question, starting off that way. Let's show them something that we haven't talked about yet because okay. there's not enough watches on the show. Uh, so let's watch some watches. Here's a piece that you haven't seen yet. So here, Kenneth Sham also asks, he goes, on average, how long would a pre-owned watch be listed and unsold before you begin to consider a heavier discount? So I'd say that depending on, on the price point of the watch, really it's 90 to 120 days is, is kind of like a sales cycle for most watches. Some watches sell quicker. Uh, some watches sell, you know, go longer, but um, I'd say that you also have to think about how many duplicate watches that that dealer might have. If they right. have five, uh, you know, of the same Panerai, they might, after thirty days, they might want to offer a discount. So it's all just call and ask. So here you go. So what this, do we have there? So this is a Titanium Offshore. I saw this on in the on the wall today when we walked in, and I've seen this watch a ton of times. I haven't seen it recently, and I realize this thing is freaking awesome. This, so this is this. Has the same look to the re-edition that that uh, Automars came out with. Automars came out with in stainless. Mm-hmm. So you get a gray dial. The the new stainless one has a blue dial, but this is gray with blue accents, blue rubber pushers. It's got a titanium case and a titanium bracelet. As for somebody like me, who I really can't wear a full steel offshore on a steel bracelet. It's too heavy. This watch feels fantastic. This is this hits the mark for me in every which way. And you can get this watch for under what a new offshore list for now. And that's the other thing too, guys. A little bit off topic. Uh, Audemars is slowly moving towards going completely vertical. So you might even see the prices of offshores going up because that's like the last one to go up you yeah. know, in out of all the hot watches. So there might be some future value. Not, not guaranteeing because I would never do that anyways, but there might be some future value in a watch like this. So, yeah, Josh, we walked up to the wall downstairs, and for some reason that just caught his eye. He's like, oh, wow, I forgot this how nice this is. is fucking awesome. Um, here, let me – I just want to pull in. Give me in the comments what do you guys think. Uh, again, would not rock this on the bracelet for me, but do you think uh, wrist size, 7.5 inches, that 5167? I don't know. I would wear it. I think I could pull that off. So I, I, I want to address something. So John Doe says, dude, you need to go to India, the kings of negotiating. So – John, I, so I lived in I lived in in China for a while, and I and I did negotiate, a few but years, yeah. yeah, like a price negotiation, a hard just back and forth, like, would you pay? I'll pay this. You take this. Pay look like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That is not what we're talking about when we're talking about negotiating. Like that's very low level negotiating. We're talking about you know finding out 
you know, what a watch is worth and trying to get something, you know, if you want to try to get a little bit below market and you can convince somebody that you're worth it, then that's the kind of negotiating we're talking about, right? And that's that's across the board. Right, it's not you know? stocks. We're not, you know, trading right, exactly. stuff that but, doesn't have any, you know. But, you know, there is something to be said for just a hardcore price negotiation. I did that, you know, that's uh, my professional career. I was working as an export agent. I would go to, to the factories and I would do price negotiations with the, uh, with the factory owners. And, and one thing is that, you know, but when you're sitting in front of a factory owner and you know they think that you're going to buy, you need to. They're going to give you a better deal, and you have to you know know, but you have to be educated. You have to understand. You can talk to them about you know different aspects of their of their manufacturing process and say, well, you guys can cut corners here or whatever it may be in order to get a better price. Again, it, it all comes back down to being educated. It's not just blindly walking into a room and seeing a price tag and just deciding that you're going to get you know you're not going to you're not going to leave unless you get. Or you're not going to buy it unless you get 30 off or whatever it may be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could take that approach the first few times and then figure out it doesn't work and adjust from there. But that's part of learning also. Um, again, not meant to be a negative show. Just kind of it's a topic that we both hit with a customer this week and uh, bounced off each other. Like, hey, we just both had this conversation with the customer this week. Felt like, you know, maybe it would be helpful to some of you guys that tune into the shows and you guys always – you know, so supportive tuning into the shows and in the chat and, you know, always mm. watching. And we thought, you know, maybe we could give something back that is a trader's perspective, which is what the show is supposed to be. So, yeah, you know, just... from our perspective, mm-hmm. how can we try and help you? How can we arm you guys, educate you to, to maybe be a little bit better at what you're already doing? Right. So. And also, if you if you call into uh, a watch selling operation and the person doesn't sound like – and the person doesn't sound educated that you're talking to and they don't sound like – they care about any of the things that you're interested in, uh, and they're literally just going to do a price negotiation. Don't spend your time on them either. You know, if I call in, which I do sometimes, I'll sh- I'll see a watch on another website that I like, and it's a dealer that I don't know. I'll call in and try to get somebody on the phone and see if there's an opportunity for me to, you know, butter them up and, and get a better price. And sometimes, you know, I get Svetlana who's not interested in talking whatsoever. Price is price. Thank you very much. You know, I'm not interested in buying. That's that's how I feel about right. it. You know. Um, let's see here. It seems like John Doe's calming down a little bit. He was he got set off in the beginning, and I think he's I think he understands what we're saying. We're not trying to be unreasonable, or you know, I think that he, if he if he was sitting here in front of us, he wouldn't say those things. Uh, that he said, "You're gonna fire but, him up again?" No, I'm not. All right, so but I think he's I, probably a reasonable person, just like we are. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, you know, in text, things don't have context or they don't have. Uh, tone, and I'm sure that he, if he was sitting in front of us, right. he would, even if he disagreed, just how you well, and I disagreed, yeah. we'd be real people, and that's the point when it comes down to it. You know, just treat, I think that I found in life when I'm negotiating price, treating the person that I'm negotiating like a human being, I've always gotten a better price. I've always gotten the best deal that way. Even if, even let's say you, you end up buying the watch at the same price, right? Monetary, you know, aside, same price. If you walk away from that experience, it's it's a luxury experience. If you walk away from that experience having a better time because it was pleasant, then you're going to have a better love for that watch, mm-hmm. right? So if you go buy a $100,000 car and the price is the price and that's it, but they they you know treat you like you're buying a $100,000 car and you feel good about it, then that's that's part of the hobby too. So I want to uh, – Watch Doctor says, Panerai losing its market resale value. So it – one thing you have to know about Panerai in terms of market value is that it fluctuates a lot throughout the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, since I've been in the industry only five years, I've seen a huge fluctuation throughout that five years 
uh, really, really hot when I first came in, dropped down to, to you know, crap, uh, back up to a reasonable amount, and then now you'll see, you're, you are seeing them fluctuate. Right now, I think the market's a little saturated with Panerai, so you can get a little bit better deal. Well, uh, it's not, not that's half an of what you pay. of inventory, too, because, you know, four or five months ago, people were buying Panerai it. was, you know, picking up, and everybody thought it was going to get way better, so then people started selling everything they had because right. a year ago they couldn't sell them, and now there's all this inventory, so it goes up and up and down. I remember, you know, a few years ago at retail, at a retail level, like there are certain Panerais you just didn't discount. Mm-hmm. 24s and 25s just sold themselves. You didn't discount that watch. Yeah. And, you know, but definitely buy Panerai pre-owned. It's fantastic uh, value proposition, which yeah. we always talk about here. Yeah, right so, now there's a, there's a little bit influx of, of, um, of inventory. So you can see even on our website, the prices are down a little bit. So. All right. Well, um, this was a long... Uh, Longer show than we've done in the last few episodes, I think. Really? I think we're just getting started. I think I got another two hours in me. What do you say, Jason? The camera guy fell asleep. So. <laughs> hey. Well, then I think that I think that's a free pass to keep yeah, going. Let's go. All right, guys. So uh, yeah, if you if you uh, this show got a little serious, but I mean I think it's a serious topic. And uh, <laughs> Jason got mad. There you go, showing some emotion there, buddy. It's a serious topic, but and realis- realistically, if you if you can take like we said in the beginning, if you understand what we're saying. And you take it from both perspectives. You can see that there are there was some good advice here. And you know, if you put it into practice, it's going to make you. It's going to give you a better you know uh, a better experience in buying watches. And again, I want to say it's something too. Just if you're only buying one watch and you make that clear, but you're super nice, chances are if there's opportunity for that salesperson to be flexible in the price, they're going to be more flexible. If you're nice. It's just the way it is. I don't. I haven't met anybody in so, any yeah. walk of life who wants to give give away money to somebody who's a prick to them. So that's that's basically the idea of what oh, Siri heard that. Um, <laughs> that's basically the idea of what we're trying to say here. If we didn't express it well, it's also Friday. It's been a long week. You know, we haven't started drinking yet, Not which yet. will be later. All right. Uh, and I just uh, want to thank you guys again. Um, where can they find us? Instagram. Evo X four B eleven. Thank you. I cut you off. What's your Instagram name? Senorita Thanos. That's right. Something like that. Look at Jason with the joke. Senorita Thanos. So uh, it's Friday, guys. (laughs) All right. So thanks so much for uh, tuning in, sitting with us, uh, commenting. We uh, we've had a long day. We hope this makes your long day a little bit easier. Yeah. Also, guys, uh, if you want to see even more of us, you can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Thanos. It's not Senorita, but I will make that tonight, Senorita Thanos. Um, at Mr. Thanos, and uh, there's a possibility that you might see us enjoying some delicious steaks and some drinks tonight. Feel free to comment and kind of take a look, bet- you know, behind the the curtain here into our lives. And on that creepy note, <laughs> we're gonna leave. <laughs>